From the CPRI Knowledge Hub and CPRIHub.org, this is Research Minutes, a deep dive into new and important research in the realm of education. I'm Michelle Goodwin. Today, we're looking at one of the most pressing topics in education, teacher retirement benefits. Amid widespread funding struggles, pupil retirement contributions in public education have increased from around $530 per pupil to close to $1,500 per pupil since 2004. And a changing national workforce. Two thirds of the population is leaving before they reach that 30 year career. They're retiring with those years of service and they're receiving a substantially lower benefit while those who work 30 years or more are receiving a much more substantial benefit. States and stakeholders are calling for reforms and radical new approaches to public pension programs. Today we speak with Josh McGee, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, who recently examined systems in New York and Philadelphia and attempted to model teacher attitudes towards different retirement models. McGee sits down with guest host Peter Horn of the Point of Learning podcasts to discuss his findings and an alternative system that could have a profound impact for new teachers. That's right now on Research Minutes. I'm Peter Horn, guest host for this edition of Research Minutes, and I'm happy to be joined today by Josh McGee, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Welcome, Josh. Great to be here. So we're talking today about your recent paper, co-authored with Boston University's Marcus Winters, titled Rethinking the Structure of Teacher Retirement Benefits, Analyzing the Preferences of Entering Teachers. This study, published in Educational Evaluation and Policy Analysis, takes a unique look at one of the most pressing issues in American education, retirement benefits. Obviously, this has been a big concern for policymakers and educators in many states in recent years. And as you mentioned in your paper, 49 out of 50 U.S. states have enacted some form of public worker benefit reform since 2005. Now, when most people think about public employee pensions, I think the first things that come to mind are how much they cost, how to sustain them, how to bring costs down. Your paper does address costs, but it takes a different tack. Can you explain that a bit? Happy to. You're right that most of the focus has been on cost, and rightfully so. Pupil retirement contributions in public education have increased from around $530 per pupil to close to $1,500 per pupil since uh, 2004, uh, more than doubling of costs there. The bulk of this rising cost is to make up for inadequate payments in the past. In other words, paying down debt. There are just fewer resources available today because states and districts did not adequately pay for their promises in the past. And that just leaves less available for current teachers. So states have been dealing with this largely by reducing benefits. They're making changes to benefits that reduces costs so that they can allocate more resources to paying down debt. And there's a pretty poor understanding of how current benefit plans work and how well they support or don't support the retirement security of all teachers. Often retirement security and the impact on teachers is lost in the cost discussion. And you know our paper makes the case that as changes are being made to teachers' retirement plans across the country, we wanna help people better understand how the current system works and whether improvements could be made to better support teachers. We recognize that cost is a big deal, but we also understand that these systems exist to support teachers, to support the retirement security of teachers, and we want to shine a light on that. Of course, speaking as as a teacher who has 18 years invested in a particular pension system, I appreciate uh, you know you're looking out for the benefits. Your study compares specifically teacher attitudes toward two different kinds of retirement plans. Could you explain what those two are? 
So under most current systems, teachers are promised a lifetime monthly check once they reach retirement eligibility. This monthly check is based on the teacher's average pay across their last few years of work, which is multiplied by a percentage that increases with their years of service. So for example, a teacher might get 2% of final average pay multiplied by their years of service. So if you work for 30 years, you at uh, get a monthly check that is equivalent of 60% of your final average salary, so averaged over the last three to five years in your classroom. This type of system is very easy to understand in terms of how much you will get at the end. So how much the monthly check is going to be is, is super easy to understand, but it's very difficult to understand how much uh, a teacher is saving at each point in her career and the value of the benefit she has earned across that career. So it's easy to understand in the end. It's, it's really hard and complicated to figure out how valuable that promise is and how much she is earning at five years, 10 years, 20 years, and not just the 30-year career. These final average salary systems are generally very backloaded, meaning that teachers don't earn much in terms of retirement benefit until they have worked 20 plus years in the same system. So if a teacher were to work for 15 years and then leave and go to another system, there's been research that shows that when compared to a full 30-year teacher, if somebody splits 15 and 15, their retirement benefit, even if the, all the retirement parameters are the same, is about half as large. And and so these systems are just very backloaded. They support full career teachers and don't support people who don't work a full career quite as much. So we compare this final average salary DB system to a cost equivalent system called a cash balance defined benefit system under which teachers would earn benefits more evenly across their career. So instead of being heavily backloaded, they earn more even increments for each year of service. They still get a monthly check at the end and they still get mortality and investment protection. So it's still a DB system. We're just changing how those benefits are earned across a career. And again, DB is standing for defined benefits, as you're as you're saying. Is the is the is the logic of the final average salary system is it very popular with states because it it incentivizes teachers to stay longer in a particular district? No. So I think most of that is post hoc explanation. These systems were put in place many decades ago, largely in the in the 40s through the 60s, depending on which state you're in. And it was just an easy way to promise a retirement benefits. It's very understandable. If the goal of promising retirement benefit is some replacement salary at the end of your career, then of course it makes logical sense to make it a final average salary model. Whenever these systems were put into place, there were not people like me who were modeling the value of benefits across a career. They were just thinking about the end of career person, very focused there. And, and that has led to this, this backloading. Now, today, if we look at these systems and look at the financial incentives, there is a pull and a push associated with these systems. So the value of benefits spikes when you reach retirement eligibility and then falls off thereafter. It spikes because you're picking up years that you can earn that benefit. So you're getting closer to eligibility and that helps you pick up years. So the value gets higher. Once you reach retirement eligibility for every year that you work, you're forgoing a pension year that you could have received that you can't get back. So you're starting to lose financial value. So what that means is if you've got, so you've got 18 years in the system, for people that are you know, around 20 years of service, there's a pretty significant incentive for them to stick around until they reach retirement eligibility. So there's a pull in there, although uh, that's the weaker of the two effects. The push is really strong. And I think it's both financial and psychological. 
people anchor really strongly to retirement eligibility and they know about this financial incentive. So we see huge numbers of people leaving the workforce the second they reach retirement eligibility under their particular system, regardless of where that actual point is. And it varies a lot from state to state. That's what I was going to move to. You rooted your research or your study in actual existing public employee retirement plans in New York City and Philadelphia. You were taking a look at these two uh, final average salary plans that exist now. And then you thought about what the difference might be for teachers in terms of what teachers might prefer with this final average salary versus the cash balance plan. Could you give us just a quick overview of your study? What were you looking for? How did you try to find it? We looked at Philadelphia and New York City because those systems provided a a pretty good range of of benefit designs under the final average salary system. Philadelphia has some pretty spiky incentives around retirement eligibility and it's it's very backloaded. New York City is less spiky and less backloaded. And so it gave us kind of a good range. We could have modeled more systems, but we wanted to simplify a little bit. The general perception is that these current final average salary systems protect teachers from investment in mortality risk, which is true. So defined benefit systems generally do that. However, common analyses leave out one big risk that is that is often overlooked and that separation risk, or the risk that a teacher or any public worker faces that she might not work a full 30 year career under a single retirement plan. In teaching, as in most professions, people move or change careers. So this is a substantial risk and one that is not talked about. Because most current retirement plans are backloaded, that means that those who leave before reaching retirement eligibility take a big financial hit, potentially undermining their retirement security. So the system that's supposed to protect retirement security may not be protecting retirement security for a substantial portion of the population. And you can see this play out in the average benefit numbers uh, that the plans often talk about. So for example, in California, teachers who retired in fiscal year 2017, the average annual benefit for those people going forward is going to be around $54,000 a year. However, this mass big differences among those retirees, about 66% of the people who retired in that year accrued less than 30 years of service. So they left and are retiring with fewer than 30 years of service. The average benefit for that group was only $38,000, while those who worked more than 30 years earn an annual benefit of around $84,000 a year. So you can see there's a big difference. There are a lot of people, two thirds of the population is leaving before they reach that 30 year career. They're retiring with those years of service uh, and they're receiving a substantially lower benefit while those who work 30 years or more are receiving a much more substantial benefit that replaces a, a bigger portion of their salary. What we wanted to do in our paper was we wanted to show mathematically how big a deal this separation risk actually is. So we used current retirement systems in New York City and Pennsylvania, and we pegged to the Philadelphia salary schedule, and we compared benefits that could be earned and the probability of separating at each point in a career for a final average salary system, and then this cost equivalent cash balance system, which is less backloaded, which has more even increments in retirement wealth. And we mathematically modeled teacher preferences under a variety of circumstances to show that new teachers prefer the less backloaded system. And often with they have a very strong preference for that less backloaded system. When you talked about what is understood, you know, I was going to ask this because you're, you're thinking about teachers' preferences. And as you have just gone over, some of it is not, you know, intuitively available. 
that it doesn't necessarily make sense. And of course, with everything the news teacher is thinking about at the beginning of her, his career, it's an open question what they might prefer and what they might actually understand about how these benefits are going to play out. So how did that work for your mathematical modeling? How did you establish a sense for teachers' preferences? Our model is an abstract mathematical model of teacher preferences and is not linked to actual uh, revealed preferences of teachers. And you're also correct to say that new teachers coming in probably don't actually know that much about their retirement plan. All the survey research that I've seen shows that, that teachers have a very limited understanding of the structure of retirement benefits. Most of them don't even know kind of the common term. So things uh, as simple as defined benefit or defined contribution, they don't really understand what those things mean whenever they're entering. If you look at survey research on what really matters to teachers uh, in terms of recruitment, they want to know that they have a retirement plan uh, and they want to have a sense that it is a good retirement plan, that they will have some protection there. Teachers like the word guarantee. But once you get past that, they care a lot more about current salary and job conditions than they do about retirement benefits. And that's just a, a natural human instinct. Our paper is more of an abstraction, just demonstrating that mathematically, if you're entering and you view the retirement system as kind of a risky bet, with the risk being that you separate from service at some point in your career before reaching retirement eligibility, and the payouts being what the retirement benefit is worth to you at each point, then we show mathematically that a teacher at the beginning of their career with any level of risk aversion would prefer the system that has the smaller spread between potential payouts. So in other words, if you're coming in and you're making a risk of that, you want the potential payouts to be spread as small as possible. You don't want, you know, the the lottery ticket. You don't want the either you get nothing or you get everything. You want the potential to kind of earn all the way up to the big payout. And it's the same with teachers. And we just showed that mathematically with these retirement benefits. So as you know, that the CPRI Knowledge Hub, of which this podcast is a part, uh, you know, aims to connect cutting-edge research such as yours with policymakers and educators who are involved with different stages of how these things play out. So what would you say are the, uh, the takeaways? What would you like for policymakers and or educators to understand as a result of what you thought about and discovered in your paper? We demonstrate that policymakers should be thinking a lot more about how retirement plans support teachers across their entire careers, not just at the very end. Often in these uh, discussions about retirement benefits, the discussion about benefits is very isolated to end of career folks, full career folks. And if we care about retirement security, and especially if we care about retirement security in a world where people move and move careers, then we need to care a whole lot more about how well we're supporting people on their path to retirement security across their entire career and not just focus on those full career people. If retirement security is a goal, then you can't just focus on the 40%, 30%, whatever it is that work a full career for a single employer. Our model puts some kind of formal mathematical modeling around preferences around comparing the current system that is pretty backloaded to an alternative system that could be put in place. And we quantify mathematically how big the preference for the even accrual would be. Not only do we want policymakers to think more about retirement security across a career, but we propose an alternative that is viable in the policy space that could be adopted with relatively minimal disruption for new employees. What future research in this area would you consider most pressing, having gotten this far? 
We, of course, only focus on one of several factors that policymakers must consider when designing a retirement plan. There are obviously many other considerations that must be weighed before making changes to current systems. For instance, at any given level of total cost, employers must balance retirement compensation provided to younger teachers against the ability to reward long-term employees. So that's a necessary trade-off in our analysis. We're essentially saying if these things are cost equivalent, the backloaded system can reward the full career people more than the even accrual system. So we're shifting some of that compensation towards the middle and early portion of people's careers. And therefore, we're going to reward people who separate in there a little bit more for their service and hopefully put them on a more retirement secure savings path. Frankly, we don't have a lot of changes in retirement systems that look like this where we could actually go and do some empirical research. That's a gap in this analysis where if policymakers were going to make changes, they would need to study what happens with recruitment and retention, what happens with teacher qualifications and quality given changes in the retirement system. On behalf of people like me who have recently separated from the districts, I really appreciate that you're doing this kind of thinking that could be of real benefit for rethinking a lot of these systems that require such continued work. Josh, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Research Minutes presented by the CPRE Knowledge Hub. Special thanks to this episode's guest host, Peter Horn, of the Point of Learning podcast and to the University at Buffalo for providing technical support. For more episodes or to subscribe to this series, visit us at cprehub.org. That's cprehub.org. To share your thoughts on today's episode or suggest future topics, follow us on Twitter at cprehub. We look forward to you joining the conversation.